check the mic and make sure it sound right, boys. Welcome to Red Storm Chasers. I'm Vincent here with Craig, Tim, and Nick. On this episode, we'll take a look back at the Marquette and Providence losses, and we'll look ahead to the matchup against Butler and UConn. Besides the abysmal week in St. John's basketball, how was uh, how was the rest of your guys' weeks? So for my weekend and this whole week, it's been a lot better because my everyone in my house is starting to get healthy again. So it's nice not to have to avoid viruses every twenty seconds. So improvement there. Got to watch the Las Vegas Raiders suck, so one of my favorite pastimes besides watching St. John's lose currently. So luckily that season's done, and uh, I can keep on watching St. John's now. Hell of a sports week for you, Tim. Oh, fantastic. Always is. <laughs> uh, my week was fine. Nothing nothing really crazy. Just regular work stuff and, uh, you know, had had a good weekend. Got to watch some St. John's basketball, which obviously would have been more fun uh, if we had won, but... Well, then yeah. unfortunately, we couldn't pull that off for you. So it's still a fun Saturday watching basketball. Can't beat that. Not so bad. Nick, how was your week? My week was pretty good. Um, I didn't do much. I had a, I went on a double date with uh, my girlfriend's sister and her boyfriend, so that was fun. And, Where'd you uh, go to eat? Uh, we went to a place in Clifton, New Jersey. I don't remember the name of it, but it was Italian tapas. I think you know the name, right, Craig? Spontino's? Spontino. Yeah, I think that was it. It mm. was in That's a good place. Italian tapas. So Italian tapas. Is, that's a cool. That's a cool idea. Yeah. Yeah, it was nice. It was a it was a fun time. But other than that, I just hung out and it was a good time. Not bad, not bad. And uh speaking of Italian tapas, my wife and I were just in Italy for a week, so very nice. We went to Venice and Milan. Um it Easy. was uh, you know, we had a we had a week off. My wife was starting a new job and I hadn't started school yet, so I took off and uh you know, I it, it's Nice to get away. It's nice to go places. Venice is an incredible city. I highly recommend it. If you ever get a chance to go, definitely take advantage of that because it is it is a special place and it's very different from a lot of other places in the world. Uh, it's it's kind of unique. Um, obviously, there's no roads and stuff like that. You know, Google it if you don't know about Venice, Italy. But uh, it's you know, so that was very cool. And it was my wife's first time there. And and you know, it was always nice to get away. Um, and that was it. That was my week. I got to, I downloaded a VPN so I could watch the games in Italy, which worked out. Uh, you know, made it made me have a nice taste of home as we lost to Marquette and Providence. So made my trip a little less fun. But fortunately, the times were different. So I was watching at midnight, which didn't really ruin my day. I just got upset and then went to bed. So not the end of the world. Probably a better, probably a, a little bit better uh, experience of Venice than Nick had on New Year's Day. Uh, certainly better than yes. <laughs> when I was I, back, yeah. We certainly had a better time than Nick did when I was back in high school. Yes, back in the good old days. Uh, well, Venice, the first place I actually got uh, drunk to the point of throwing up. That was fun. What a day! It was great. <laughs> we were back in the day in the wayback machine. That was then. Yeah. That was not unrelated to this trip, though. This was, this was the first time we went to Venice. Right, that was the first time I had gone to Venice. This is unrelated. Nick did not come this time, so he was not drunk on New Year's. So, so and me and Craig also. I was, still, to, I was still drunk on New Year's for the. For the well, you were, but you were not drunk on New Year's in Venice. The day, the next day, me and Craig had the best or my best house. pasta we ever had in our lives in we Italy. Did. That was a hundred percent true. And then I was on that restaurant still exists. However, I'm convinced it was it was taken over by new ownership because it has a more touristy feel now. And when me and Craig went, it was the old grandma giving us the pasta with the menu completely in Italian. So, so, so I've never been over to Europe. What is they always talk about American serving size is crazy big. What is the Italian serving size, and how would you compare it to what we get? At uh, our the, the Italian serving size is the perfect amount of food, unlike the American size, which is way oversized. So no leftovers. No, uh, yeah, I mean, essentially, like it's it, like right size. It's the right size. Like if you were to look at a, I don't know, it, they all have kind of the same bowl, if you will. It's not the same bowl, but it's all the same bowl design, and they fill up the middle of this bowl, and it's like the perfect amount of pasta. Where you eat it all and you feel full, but not too full, and you you have nothing to take away. How would you say the chicken cutlets are over there? Um, delicious. I mean, they're they're spectacular. The food there is incredible. The food in Italy is, is great. Uh, virtually everywhere you go, you avoid the tourist traps. To be honest, and then you're you're better off. Now, some places in the tourist traps do have good food. That's not to take away from them, but um, you know, obviously, you want to eat in a more you know local place. You want to eat in a you get a real more experience. Uh, and the local places food is just out of this world. I mean, we there was not a single night where we ate somewhere and we were disappointed. I feel like if I go, which, A, I want to go to Italy. It's one of my places, uh, Hawaii, Italy, and Ireland. Those are the three places I really want to visit. But 
I feel like if I go around Italy and start seeing some of the uh, historical spots, I'll look at it and go, oh, I know the spot, I know the spot, and I'll finally realize, like, two days in probably, go, oh, it's because I played every Assassin's Creed. Yeah. And that's <laughs> yeah. how I've learned all these uh, locations. Not, and I'm like, I'm like oh, if you just jump off this point and go down about 12 blocks, make a right, you'll find the next one. Oh, there's a viewpoint up there, isn't there? <laughs> yeah. Not an invalid point. Uh, some of the historical spots are obviously still there. But it is still worth seeing. And to tell you the truth, even doing the touristy stuff uh, is worth it, right? I mean, there's, you know, just... I always use London as a, as an interesting example, but you could say the same thing about Rome, and you can say the thing about most European cities, whereas, like, you're touring around, and it's a major city, right? London is very close to New York City in terms of its feel. However, you're walking down the street, and all of a sudden, there's, like, a church from the year, you know, 1012, right? <laughs> so it's just, like, the juxtaposition of that, uh, and, and, you know, the rich history there is, is crazy. So it, it makes it interesting, and it's one of the reasons we, we I love, you know, going to different countries, seeing different countries and seeing different things uh, is you get a unique experience depending on where you go. And Italy is certainly a place I would highly recommend going. Here we tear down uh, Yankee Stadium when it gets a little too old just to make the same exact one. Yeah. I mean, yes, 100%. Now, they, sure. they do that a little bit, uh, but they've done a better job at preserving their stuff. Well, we won't tear down Carnseca because people would be angry. And because we can't afford a new one. Oh, oh no, not, not, not the fans. The people who live around because they'll just complain and make uh, it hard no, for us. I was going to no. say, I don't know if that's really true. I mean, I think we would... Not the fans. It's no, the just fans the people around it would be like, ah, oh, it's the construction sounds. And we can't <laughs> afford it either. There's no, our bigger we problem. We could afford it. Probably couldn't afford to tear it down. Tear it down? We couldn't logistically do it because there's a, every team other than every team it, it either has a uses a locker room, has a locker room, or plays in Karnaseka. Right, that's my point. My point is you couldn't tear it down. What right, if we, logistically, well, you what if we built money. on the football field? and think, then Well, no, you'd have to rebuild have an a, entire facility you, for every you school like you're talking about. Nick. Yes. You mean the lacrosse field, Tim? Yeah. Um, I, think you, I think you could. Yeah, you, we, we, Look, if there's a will, there's a way. Yeah. You can 100% figure it out. I'm not saying it will be easy, but if you really wanted to, you could. I don't think our entire problem is that we don't have the money. Uh, it's not the, you know, we don't have as much money as everybody else. I'm not saying that we do, but... I, uh, Part of it's because we don't know how to spend it. Well, I, I, the part we're not willing to spend it was more so my point. I think we're willing. I just don't think we spend it in the right places. It's a pretty high amount of money to. to it is a lot of money. It is a lot of money. That's and a build ton, a new ton, arena ton of like on campus, it would be a lot, a lot. Hundred percent, and that's why we're not willing to. That's why we're not going to get one anytime soon. No, I wouldn't put it on the Christmas list for next. It's year. It's not going to happen. Damn. All right, let's look. Let's let's get a little question going this week. This week we're gonna go sports related. I will go. Who do you think of the teams in the NFL playoffs will be in the Super Bowl, and who do you think will be the champion of the NFL Super Bowl? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. This is easy. Here comes a homer pick. This is absolutely a homer pick because I think it's also the right pick. I'm going with the Los Angeles Chargers, baby. Shocking. They are my team. We are getting healthy, even though Mike Williams who should not have been playing on Sunday, was playing. He got injured. Luckily, it's only a lower back, minor injury. He shouldn't have been playing at all. But we're finally healthy. We got all of our guys back, most of our guys back. We still lost J.C. Jackson, which was our big all-season pickup. But you take the slings and arrows as you get them. We have a good matchup in, against the Jaguars. We'll potentially go on to play the, the Chiefs in our third game of the season. Herbert's beat Chiefs at Arrowhead already. Then we'll have to play maybe the Bills or the Bengals or who knows maybe even the Ravens. Nick didn't didn't pick a team from the NFC for the Super Bowl, but it broke down the entire matter, broke down the entire matter. AFC playoff path for the Chargers. I appreciate your I, commitment, I, Nick. I guess for the NFC, I'll take the the Eagles because they're the odds-on best team in the NFC. In my All opinion. right, it's simple enough. Tim, who do you got? Because you, you don't have a horse in this race, just like I don't. So before we get another homer pick, we'll go to you. <laughs> yep, yep. My maybe uh, someone will give us some actual analysis on what well, might yeah, happen. Yeah, my horse was shot down pretty quickly. It happens. I think it's my coach that shot the coach. No, I think it's my. <laughs> I, I think it's my uh, coach that shot the uh, the horse. I think it may just be the Raiders being the Raiders, but continue. Who do you think is going to be in the Super Bowl? Who do you think is going to win? Well, the Super Bowl I think this year is going to end up being Kansas City versus San Francisco. What? I, Interesting. I think San Francisco's defense is running at peak performance, and I think having McCaffrey now helps protect them, even though they're on their third quarterback. Their third quarterback is now Mr. Relevant, and he is playing in a Very Trent relevant. Dilfer, Brand Johnson style 
that he's just he's pulling the team together and he's all the people around him are doing the good jobs. He's managing. Yes. All, all he's got to do is manage. Exactly. Fair and enough. I think Casey's going to win because I think having the combination of McKinnon and Pacheco this year has really changed that offense to bring it back to when Kareem Hunt was on that team. Tim really going out on a limb, by the way. I just like to say picking the one and the two seed. What a what a what a what a, what a <laughs> well. I do I do what a, what a stretch. Huh? I do have my uh, my sleeper team is uh, actually uh, Jacksonville. Wow, upsetting the Tim's about to Tim's about to fight. Nick's about to fight Tim. Is it because you don't like the Chargers because of the AFC West? No, look at a stare down going on. It's because Jacksonville has the only mascot that's willing to wear a speedo. That was ridiculous. (laughs) By the way, they should lose. They shouldn't be allowed in the playoffs because of that fact. Craig, who do you got? So, in the AFC, I'm going to take the Bills. All right, lot lot to play for. I think they got they got the the reason obviously now, which obviously we all know. Um, and with Demar Hamlin, and I, I think, but I also just think they're they're a very very good team. Josh Allen is amazing. Stephen Diggs is amazing. I think they're they're a really good team. They are a very well rounded team. So who do you got in the NFC? So I know you think I'm going to pick the Giants. No, no, I know you're not going to pick. I'm the not going to pick the Giants. So I, look, I, I he's I, a he's a he's a realistic fan. I love I love the Giants. Fan. This Giants team is great, and they've had a great season. I've enjoyed it. It's great to get back in the playoffs. It's good. It's all good. We're trending in the right direction. Great, great season. Could we win the first game? 100%. Does this team have enough to win the Super Bowl? No. You um, think the uh, Giants uh, coaching staff paid every yacht company that rents to not give the players a yacht? All right, Tim, that was five years ago, bro. Get over it. We won't forget. Oh, the yacht party. Huh. Um, I didn't know what you were talking about for a second. <laughs> pretty bold talk for a guy's team who didn't make the playoffs. <laughs> Um, who do you got? So you got the Bills and the who? So I, I go back and forth on this. And if they weren't playing the Giants in the first round, I would probably pick them. But I think I might still pick them. I think it's the Vikings. All right. I think you can't. The, you can't possibly win the first week and then have the the Vikings win. That's impossible. I, no, no. He, he said that he said they that. might win. I said the Giants have the possibility to win the first game. I just don't know. I don't say that they're going to. Okay, fair enough. I, I just I said. No, I said he clearly he's picking the lose if he's picking the Vikings in the yeah, championship. Heard, yeah. yeah, he's picking the he's got uh, Kirkland Cousins. He's got off-brand elite. I said if the if the Vikings weren't paying the Giants the first game, I would be more confident in this pick. I just think the Vikings are so good in close games, and a lot of times in the playoffs that plays a lot. You now the, the tough part for them is actually they're playing the Giants, who are also very good in close games. That's a tough matchup in that in that sense. I think. Um, the Eagles, you, you don't. I mean, look, the they won, but I don't know. You don't know where you're going to get Jalen Hurts if he's still no, hurt. Yeah, yeah. I, I think the reason why the Vikings they don't make it is because they play you, and I think you guys up to them personally. Look, I hope I hope I'm wrong. By the way, I'm just, so, just for all right, so you're going Vikings and you're going Bills. Who's going to win? Bills. All right, fair enough. I think in that matchup, I don't think you're wrong. So I. Uh, I actually agree with you, Craig. I think it's going to be the Vikings who come out of the NFC. Uh, my, I was between them and San Francisco, and if San Francisco had Jimmy Garoppolo, I would have no problem picking them. I think at the end of the day, sure, you can have a managing quarterback like Trent Dilfer who gets you a championship. However, it's unlikely, and he's going to make mistakes in key moments, which is why they're going to find themselves on the outside. For the AFC, I actually think it's a very interesting mix of teams. Uh, the Chiefs, the Bills, and the Bengals are all very talented. Uh, what about the Chargers are a talented team? The Chargers are a very talented team. That's why they're in the playoffs. I just don't think they're going to go to the Super Bowl. I think Ooh. it's going to be the Bengals. I think it's going to be Bengals and Vikings in the NFL's worst nightmare of all time for <laughs> ratings. Uh, it'll be a Cincinnati-Minnesota championship. Uh, and I actually think the Bengals will come away with it in the end. I think they've got enough pieces who didn't put it together this year all at the same time. Mixon had a rough year. Uh, you know, Burrow didn't always play well. That defense is questionable at times. Chase was out for a lot of the year. Yeah, yeah. correct. So I think they'll all come together, and then, you know, we finally get we finally get to see the Bengals team that was supposed to be this year, and they will be the Super Bowl Bengals going back champions. to back, into back and back championships. Burrow getting two appearances. Two AFC championship victories no. in a row. Yeah, yeah, and appearances in the Super Bowl in his first well, two well, full seasons. He has to hope. If he makes it, he has to win. He can't pull the Marino. Well, as long as he wins, it doesn't matter. He's got a championship. Yeah, yeah but yeah, yeah, yeah. it's over. You start going in, you're young, you're making it, you keep making it, and you just keep missing well, it. Well, I said he won, so yeah. at the end of the day, <laughs> that would, he would no longer be Dan Marino. 
But anyway, let's talk about the doom and gloom in the room. It is the St. John's Red Storm basketball program. We have had a five-game losing streak continued this week. I would say to got to get to five losses this week. Um, before we get into breaking down these games, let's take a moment and discuss what do we think this program can do right now to turn things around. Because we need to turn things around, and we need to right the ship immediately if we're going to get on track this year at all. And if we don't, we're going to be in it. We're going to be in some real trouble for the rest of the season. Now, listen, maybe the answer is we're just not that good. That's certainly a possibility here. We've lost five games in a row. Multiple of these games are games we should have won. Uh, we didn't look particularly bad this week. It's not like these were horrendous losses. They were painful losses, but they weren't horrendous losses. Um, what do we got? What do you guys think? What's kind of you know, one thing we can do or you think we should do uh, to, to right the ship right now. So let me ask you this. Are you s- saying that what I think would fix it or what I think can possibly be fixed? Maybe both. Okay. Maybe, maybe both. What, do you, what, do you, what is your, what, a, what do you think your main thing that can be fixed right now is? Well, I think this team needs to improve ourselves, get ourselves back on that wagon, get ourselves to start winning again, get out of this five-game slump in the Big East. We need to improve ourselves out of halftime, out of timeouts. We need to the coaches to step up and guide these guys either by switching in and out players at the right time or to make sure we stop the slides. Now, do I think that's going to happen? No, unfortunately not. I don't think that's going to be changing. We've gone too far into the season to really think at this point that rotation switches or plays coming out of timeouts or changing the game plan at halftime to adjust to what they're going to attack us with. I, at this pace, I don't think it's going to change. So what we can do, rebound better. That's what we can do. Second That's fair. Ch- second chance points. That's fair. We can get back to rebounding like we're, I mean, we're 15th in the nation in rebounding, but you know, those were against teams that weren't necessarily as good. I think you're 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 good. Your point is well taken on the rebounds. Uh, Craig, what do you got? I think we should we need to limit turnovers, but not necessarily just turnovers. I'm also talking about quick possessions where we run up and take a really quick shot, not maybe not the best shot, uh, and then a lot of times that leads to a run out. It leads to a fast break on the other end. I think if we can limit those possessions where we make you know where we make bad decisions, frankly. Uh, if we can limit that, we that'll instantaneously make us better and more competitive. And look, there's still a lot of games to turn around. So if we can do things like that, the small things, the small things add up to big things. So if we can do a lot of small things right, I think we'd be on a better path. Nick, what do you think we can fix? So, um, I mean, obviously there's uh, there's a bunch of things, but I, I think the one the quickest fix that'll give us the most bang out of our buck was probably to not have Posh and Curbelo on the court in, at the same time as, as much as we can. I think they're both uh, they're extraordinarily similar players. They're, they're pass-first guys. They're true uh, point guards. Um, when they're on the court together, they seem, I mean, they, they run the same style. So, you know, um, they gamble a lot, which is, which is good. That's our, that's our style of play. But when it, when it doesn't work, it astronomically doesn't work. So having them, and then if they were not on the court at the same time, they can run the offense while they're on the court themselves and not have to worry about another shot call or true point guard being on the court at the same time. Then we can get another shooter in or somebody who's a little more offensively inclining um, than the two of them. I'm not saying that, I mean, Posh had an amazing game. Uh, Carbello is, you know, he, he, he's, an, he's an R8 shooter. He's only an R. No, but your, your your point is well no, taken. Playing them at the same time k- takes away from both of them, right? I think that's kind of your point. Yeah. In that you got to let them each shine, but you got to let them shine individually. And by playing them at the same time, you're not doing that. I yeah. think I think your point, Posh, at the beginning of the Providence game, Posh was really on the court by himself for a while and did really well. Yeah, we gelled very. Uh, nicely. We gelled very well. He played very well, and that's why we had you know had a lead. And then I think we got back to being both on the court, and then we had some struggles. That and then pin zone can come in and uh, like relieve the two of them because he's a very similar player to both of them, and he can shoot also. He should be more on the court, in my opinion, too. But. That's that's fair. So my my point is sort of similar in in or not similar, but in the line with yours, Nick. I think 
the biggest fix that we could have is we can change the lineup, change who we play together at the same time. So we're playing uh, groups of players that are gelled better and groups of players that actually benefit having the other person on the court from, right? So it's similarly in, in that you think Posh and Curbelo don't play well together, and I agree with that. Uh, making sure we're putting out the lineup that best allows us to have the most elements qualify or check boxes, right? Making sure we can hit as many of the important things with a lineup that is out there and is able to get the job done uh, without sacrificing, you know, talent. Um, and this leads me to kind of another question here. Uh, we saw two different starting lineups uh, this past week. Uh, I think there's elements of both of it which make the best starting lineup that we should have um, instead of just the five best players that Mike Anderson believes and that he puts out there. Uh, what do you guys, what is your ideal starting lineup? For me, it would definitely, you start with the obvious, Mr. Double Double, you got Soriano. I would then have Stanley in the four. Okay. Have Jones at the three. Makes sense. Wusu at the two, based off of, especially now defensively, how he's been uh, helping the team run. I would say that definitely has earned him the two. And then Posh at the one, and Store and Curbelo immediately switching out for Wusu. Tim, and... we're talking about the starting lineup. Right I know. Now. You gave us six and seven. You, you, just your starting lineup. So you're putting Posh you're, Alexander in the starting lineup. Yep. I feel like a six-man is, a, no, is an important thing to note. But it's not. Here's why. We play a lot of guys. So for us, we're going to have sixth and seventh guys. I'm just strictly talking about the starting lineup. Because, because going back to my point, I think there's different lineups that should play with each other, almost as a shift in hockey, almost. There's players who should be on the court at the same time, and there's players that shouldn't. So I, doing a sixth and seventh man, I get it. It's important to our team. However, it, it, take, it kind of gets away from the discussion uh, I'm trying to have in that yeah, yeah, who's your starting lineup? Who are the five guys that we should have out there at the beginning of the game to lead the charge? So for Tim, uh, it's Posh, Wusu, David Jones, Stanley, and Soyano. Craig, who do you got? I start with Posh as well. Um, I think po- well, I, Posh is my one. I'd put I well, put Jones and Store in the starting lineup, and Wusu, and I would have small, and and Joel Soriano. Yeah, I mean so, Joel Soriano. Craig, Craig, Craig you have the same exact one as me. I agree. Nick is right. It's a small lineup, but I think putting Posh out there to lead the charge. You get Wusu with his defense. Store out there. He gives us the ability to shoot. David Jones. He's been a great player all year, and Soriano obviously is our big. It is a smaller lineup, but I think it gives us the best attack right out the gate, and I think that's what we do. Nick, what do you got? You know, I'm a little torn. Um, I'm, I'm going to put Posh, obviously, at the one. Um, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave the two open, so I stall myself sometime. And I figure yeah, that's fine. Time you, guys yell at yeah, you don't have to give it in the order. But... I'm going to obviously put Soriano uh, in the five. Smart. I think he's, he was consistent amongst all of us David, so far. David so Jones. is Posh, by the way. David Jones. David Jones, Obviously too. in the three. Um, and, that, and I think I think the the four two or the quote unquote four two yeah is uh, is is where it really gets interesting. Interesting. Um, I think I'm actually going to put Pinzone at the two. Um, wow. It's uh, it's a different look entirely. It's but it's a similar play style, and I think he's a better shooter than uh, most of our other options. Maybe not AJ Store, but I, I I'm not sure if I I think I like Pinzone and Posh better than I like AJ Store and Posh together. Um, so I'm gonna go with Pinzone at the two, and then at the four, I can I can I could see Omar Stanley at the four, but for me, sometimes he's defensively he some seemingly only goes after blocks a lot. Uh, he he gets lost on defense sometimes. Um, so I'm I'm actually not gonna put him in the four. I think he's a good energy guy. He's a very good energy guy. He's really, he's a very good guy. spark plug High off the bench. Guy. And I I think that is extraordinarily crucial, but I don't think that's best fitted for the starting lineup. I think at my four, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Mathis because he is him. I think him, Pinzone, AJ Starr, and David Jones are four best shooters on this on this team. And if we have, so you're going heavy shooter lineup is your kind of approach. Um, yeah, I'm going more more shooter lineup 
That's fair. Yeah, I mean, yeah. your lineup's not super big, a little bigger than mine and Craig's, but yeah. mainly shooter-focused. Him going with kind of a big lineup in, in the Stanley, Soriano, and David Jones more Which so. Which I talked about the rebounding, so. Well, that's fair. I, I, think it, I think it plays correctly. Now, I, you know, you look at the two lineups we had this week, okay? So in the first game, before we break into the games, you know, in Marquette, it was it was a different lineup than we've ever seen. It was Mathis, Wusu, Stanley, Jones, and Soriano. And then completely changed it up again once we hit Providence. It was Posh, Wusu, Store, Jones, and Soriano. The, the lineup that me and Craig thinks give us the better option. And listen, they both had their their elements, right? Wusu took clear advantage of being in the starting lineup against Marquette. He had 21 points, so he, he made the most of it, and he earned his second start because of that, uh, you know, right away in the, in the Providence game. So I think, you know, this is a team that's struggling, right? And finding the correct lineup, finding the correct guys that mesh, give us the biggest opportunity to win. I, I think also, though, this week we've had some challenges, and I think um, in terms of the lineup, Matt, it has allowed us to, like you said, Vincent, it allowed us to experiment with different lineups. Like we have Mathis has, is injured. Um, he, he missed the game against Providence. Posh uh, did not get the start against Marquette. It was a coach's decision. Um, uh, Corbello was uh, Corbello suspended was, for the game. Correct. Corbello was suspended for the game. I couldn't say that. couldn't spit it out. For um, team violations. For team violation. Um, and then, so... Uh, I, but that allowed us to try things. And I think to your point, Vincent, clearly what we're doing right now is not working, so we need to figure out a different way. Exactly. And I, I think by mixing it up, I think we have now found a lineup that works. I know we didn't win the game against Providence, but I think we put a team out there that played extremely well to start. And, you know, we've struggled in the second half, but if we get out to a good start, hopefully the hope is that when we come out again in the second half, we can get the same kind of opening in the first half of the second half, uh, which will put us on a, on a great path to win the game. All right, let's get a little bit into these games. Uh, first game was Wednesday, lost to Marquette, 96-85. to Like we talked about, no Curbelo. It, to be fair, we didn't play a terrible game. 51% from the field, 47% from three, which is, is good for us, 8 of 17. 64% from the free throw line, obviously lower than we all like to see, but we were 9 of 14. We were even in the rebound battle. I think that's a key reason why we lost. Marquette is, or was, coming into that game, the 301st ranked team in terms of rebounding. That's not a team we should be even with on the rebounding battle. And turnovers killed us. We gave the ball up 16 times to their 14. Uh, losing that is never good for us. It's never a recipe that's going to result in a victory. Uh, now, the changeup in lineup did, did sort of work for us a little bit. Uh, Soriano had 22 points and 13 rebounds, just like he always does. Wusu, as I mentioned, 21 points, 5 assists. He had a good day. David Jones, 13 points, also great. Mathis and Stanley struggled a bit, 5 and 4 points, respectively. Off the bench, big shocker, I know, but Posh Alexander led the team, 11 points, 5 assists, 3 steals. Why he was not starting, the coach's decision was an incorrect decision, in my opinion. Uh, it certainly made the most of it when he came off the bench, though. Uh, and we got we got killed. I mean, uh, we got killed by their guys. Prosper, you know, second po- 29 points, second most he's had in a game this year. And four of their five starters were in double digits. Well, Prosper, as, he, as his name would uh, give you the information, he prospered in the second half. Definitely. I mean, the second half has been a painful for us. To watch. Painful all across the board. Used to be our strength. Yeah. Right. Early yeah. on it was it was our strength. But well, now it's just disaster. We just couldn't find we could not find a way to stop them, frankly. They they scored at will. Um and it was a struggle for us. Because we actually played well offensively. I mean eighty five points is pretty good. We just gave up way too many baskets, too many easy shots, too many putbacks and that kind of stuff. I mean, um I definitely had a Posh had a had a bright spot day, making two three pointer, especially early. Yeah. which is key. If he can start hitting some three-pointers on a regular basis, guys have to guard him at three-point line, then... No, it creates a whole other element for us. It's a huge element for us. It really does. So that was a very good... Not to take moral victories. I mean, we're not at that point, but that's a good sign. If that's if that's something that can happen, and he gets a little more consistent with it, that would be huge for us. That really would be. Honestly, they just beat us at our own game. Yeah. They uh, did. They yeah, did. Shaka runs a very tight uh, helter-skelter, and... They beat us at our own game. 100%. I mean, really, yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, that's it. They just did what we tried to do, but better than us. I mean, I mean, when you when they, when four of their five 
starters are scoring in double digits and they got a guy with 29 points. Uh, you know, it's 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 kind of tough to keep up if if we played a good game. Uh, we yep. they just played it better. You're 100% right, Nick. It wasn't our offense, it was our defense. Yeah. Yeah, and one of the things you notice between the first and second halves, the first half we were able to prevent runs by switching lineups, calling timeouts, not always calling timeouts the, the most necessary time, but we coached ourselves into a better spot into the first half, which we could have been up by double digits, honestly, but we were still up by seven. Going into the second half, by the time it was 16 minutes and 30 seconds left in that game, they already had their foot on the pedal, and they just kept cruising past us. Now, when you have Prosper drop 25 of his 29 points in that second half, during that game, we did not adjust coming out of that half. Shaka came out, and he's like, this is what we're going to do. And they did it. And we came out, and we just stood there and took it. That's that, I mean, hey, that's that's Mike Anderson, right? He lives and dies by the game. If if a team is better than us, and they're going to beat us at our system, it seemingly he's just okay with us just losing that game. They, they outscore us by 18 points in the second half. Another thing that happened, too, on the against Marquette was Montez Mathis. Uh, he got injured. He hobbled off. After a layup, I think it was it played at the basket. I may, I may be wrong, but he definitely hobbled off, and then he missed the Providence game. So yep, on crutches, uh, some kind of toe injury at this point. Yeah, that's that's, that's not good. That's a bad loss. Uh, you know, he's he, been playing really well. He has. Math has been playing. You know, I, I was a little con- questioned as to why he came back and why he was playing, but at the beginning of the year, not not recently. Uh, but he, you know, I that's mainly because I forgot. That he's as talented as he is, and he can do as much as he can do for this team. And it's it's tough. It's going to be tough, particularly since we're in a skid, to, to lose a guy like that. It doesn't put us in a great place. He did get injured on his birthday, which definitely sucks. That's a double whammy, for sure. Well, let's. we didn't have him for the Providence game, which is the other game that happened last week. That one uh, was a more painful loss, for sure. 83-80. to 80. Uh, We didn't play great. We played okay. I, I think we actually played I think we played a good game to be honest. I, they I, they beat us. I mean we got beat, right? Maybe maybe not. I, I wouldn't say we played a bad I just, game. I, I had higher expectations. I expected us to be, you know, on an equal footing with Providence. Uh and I guess we were, right? I mean I guess we uh, were. I, I, I just, didn't. I thought we would play better against them. It is what is what honestly happened to me. I thought we would play better, so when we played to a level that put us in a game against them, uh where we ended up losing uh, I looked at it as a negative, but I see your point. It, it wasn't a terrible game. I mean, forty-nine percent from the field is is pretty solid. Twenty-six percent from three, though, is a killer. Four of fifteen only, and sixty percent from the line. We missed three. Well, I guess not from the under four. Just before the under four, where Curbelo missed a one free throw, and you know Curbelo again and Wusu both missed a free throw in the last minute of the game. Uh, yeah. and, and you do that, and in tight spots. It's tough. I think the thing about the Providence game, and this has been a kind of a hallmark, unfortunately, over the last few years against Providence. Providence wins very close games. They do all the little things right. Now, a, a big part of that, you got to say, is the coaching of Ed Cooley, who personally I don't love Ed Cooley, but there's I can't no, stand him. But, but he, there's no denying coach. the fact that he's a very good coach, and he has made the Providence Friars a very, very good program. You just cannot deny that. That's true. That's true. I mean, I don't like them, but you're right. The reason they win close games is because they have really good coaching. There's just no doubt about that. Right. And the the refs are willing to uh, allow Cooley to chirp at our best player, but uh, him not chirp back. Yeah, but they always give latitude on that. I mean, you can't clap directly in a coach's face. No, you're not allowed to do that. You just can't. But being supportive. the, The bigger point is that because of... That and there's a contrast. We have historically we have not we've struggled in those tight games. We don't have that, and that does fall on the coaching, frankly. Um, tight game losses is, is, is yeah, it does I fall mean, on the coaching. When you look, consistently I, I can, lose close look, games, look, we I think we played a good game. I, I do. I really do think we played a good game. There were a lot of little things that happened, but those little things add up to the loss. Yeah, one and of that's the, what happened. One of the really, big things we, we did poorly though was three point shooting coverage. They were seven of seventeen. I mean that's with numbers like that, that's seven good. of seventeen. You, you're you're we lost by three, right? I mean that's our shtick. We leave them open. On I the mean three? I, I don't disagree, but it was particularly bad in this game. It, it was my point. You know, I, the, I think 
they did a nice job of hitting their shots. This is something me and Craig were actually talking about because I had the good grace of watching the game with Craig, so I'll let him take it from here. But um, one of the things we were talking about is maybe the system just doesn't work. Maybe Mike Anderson's system doesn't work because we leave open way too many threes, and now we're in a, a three-point shooting era. So, Craig, so, take it from here. So, uh, we had, me and Nick had this conversation. I just wanted to bring it up here. Is that, you know, I'm coming around, to, I'm not coming around, but I've been coming around to the fact that, you know, my get, the system that my get interested has, where you, you, you press a lot, you speed him up, you get him to try to get, take a lot of shots, quick shots, that kind of stuff, has has worked for him, frankly. Like, when we look at his record, he it has worked for him in the past, it's worked in other places and stuff like that. The modern college basketball game, as currently constituted, is very, is very different than when this system was put in place. More guys make can make threes, more three-pointers are taken Overall, you got fours that can hit threes. You Overwhelmingly, got, you got fives that can hit threes. So, not only just threes, they're just better shooters. Better. So, I think part of an issue with that is this system is not designed that. I think part of it, you can even see it in that. That's why we don't press as much as we were at all expect, anymore. We, really, I we expect, I don't even when know we expect the forty minutes of hell pressing from the beginning. We don't really do that, and I think maybe Mike Anderson is recognizing that. You know, maybe this hard line adherence to this system may not work or does not work going forward and that that is a problem for us i mean, I mean it, we it, need to figure that out it's you you i i think it's more so not maybe not implemented correctly i i think if you do it to the point where you play man-to-man a true man-to-man you, you're not leaving people open on the backside. you're not leaving as many people open for three i think it can work successfully i do think you're right and mike anderson has probably has seemingly recognized that that is not the flow for this team uh, and that's why he's adjusted, and we're not seeing the press as much. Though. Except that I, I disagree in the half court. I think part of this system in the half court is trapping and putting pressure on the ball in the half court. And that's why you get the guys to do that. But the problem with yes. trapping in the half court is you always inevitably are going to leave people open. Sure, but most of the trapping happens at the top. At the top. But yeah, but, to but, kick, but, but very to kick, but mostly kick, far out. Yeah, it, to kick balls down to the fours and fives who back in the day would not hit a three. Sure, they but would wait, be wait, less wait, than wait, an island time up top. Most of the time the fours and the fives are not in a position to shoot a three when the ball is getting kicked down to them and there's a trap at the top. And the guys who are coming off the guys are not the guys covering the fours and fives down low anyway. So that's not the scenario there. The scenario where we're leaving the people open for three is when we're trying to crap, trap in the corners and the and the guy, I, I the, the two is coming over or the three is coming over and leaving their man open, or the the back the three on the backside is leaving him open. It That's also, where we're leaving the three pointers open. No, it also happens in the, in like the Villanova game when where our a entire when we tried to play an entire press and they would beat our press, kick us out in the front, and they would have a wide open three because they beat our press. Because they, they beat our press. Okay, but we were but talking his, about the half court. But I I I, I wasn't. His, oh, well, we were talking about the half court. Mike, Mike Anderson. I'm talking style. about. I'm talking about. He's, both, t- he's talking about Mike Anderson's style of play, and Mike Anderson's style of play is to do full court defense. It's the it's the press and trap the entire time from beginning of the for sure to the end for of sure. The and if you do that at the beginning, there is open people because you have you have two in the back court and you have one guy usually stapling in the middle at the at the half court. So then there's three guys in their front court and there's only two defenders there. So if they push it down, there's a wide-open guy at either a three or the, the very easy layup. And most of the time, we get a lot to the three. And to, in today's game, there's just too many players who can make that shot. For sure. That, that's in the, the, the full-court move. But we were just talking about the half-court is what I was talking about, where that's where our trouble is coming in, not, at the, not coming, trying to trap somebody at the top, actually. It's trapping people on the side after they've gotten into the half-court offense. Our, our You're tra- correct in that. When it's when it's the full court and they beat our press, we, we're 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 up there without a paddle. We've got nothing. We've got nothing. Right, and and that's when they have a lot of open threes. I'm just at the point where I I don't know that the Mike Anderson system that he has currently has will work in the modern day college basketball thing. I'm coming around to that. My uh, point is, I think there is a way to get the Mike Anderson system to work. I just don't know if we're running it. I don't know that there is. Well, well that's, that's my so, opinion. On that's it. fair. Watching the Providence game, we adjusted our defense to negate their best player so hopkins their best player we play a system that he could not flourish against and he didn't the whole game three for ten only seven rebounds we handled him but the problem was when we should be playing defense and helping have people come help when someone is spending too much time with the ball not passing it 
it's it's something that um Sean Miller actually brought up against us in that uh full access game. He said if you take more than 3 dribbles, they're coming to attack. And he told his guys, you have to move the ball, you have to move, you have to move. Everyone has to keep it going because once you get stationary and you're taking too many dribbles, they're coming to attack. And the problem was we would start attacking way too early and that's how Locke hit five threes against us because we kept getting out of position and allowing a three to be wide open. They hit, what was it, ten threes, I think? Seven. Seven of 17 is what they were from three. Listen, it was rough. But, fr- uh, but frankly, I understand what you're saying, Tim, in terms of the switching, but that is part, that's, that, that's not a, that's not a, that's not a symptom of the, that's a, that's a feature of this system. We yes, switch, we, 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 we the... attach, we switch, and we switch, and we switch, and switch. And the problem is, you with that system, you guaranteed you're going to leave someone open. But it that's, that's all discipline on who's going. I don't think so. I think it's part of the system. You just can't have two guys attack the ball and not have anybody open. It's, yes, it's physical impossibility. You, you have to know who you're... So if you're guarding the guy who's the hot three-point shooter right now for that team, you should not be the guy to go and help... Unless it's such a small, minimal amount that if he was to try to pass it, you had enough time to jump back. I th- there, there, I wasn't think one, there wasn't one I guy. I think that's though. hard to, I think that's almost nearly impossible for a player to decide. I, I also if don't my, think. If my player's hot, I can't do that. The, the problem is there's too many guys on every team now that can make three-pointers. Well, the, not, not only the three-pointers, with all due respect, on against Providence, there's not, it, yes, Locke went off from three, but Carter had 19 points. Breed had 14 points. Croswell had 14 points. It's not like there was guys who were struggling on their team. It's it. They just had a lot of guys play well. I think it, I I think it's harder to do that. I, your your point about switching off the hot guy, I get. In this game, though, if we had switched off a lock, the ball was going to get to you know Carter. So like, what well, he scored 19. What's the difference, right? I, I think it's it was too hard in this game to say. There's a single issue that brought us down. I, I think it, it was uh, too many little mistakes at the end of the day, and that's why we ended up down losing by three points. When you lose close games, as Craig talked about before, it comes down to little things, and the little things I think are what killed us. I don't think the the major issue was the play, the style of play. No, it's like the style of play thing. That's a that's a that's an overall thing. That's not necessarily a very specific thing to this specific game. That is a an overarching problem. Like when you're one in five, you have to take stock of where you are and you have to take stock of whatever the case may be. Things are not working. I mean, one in five is not where this team is supposed to be. The, the talent level on this team is too high to be one in five. So do you need to look at a whole objectively at what is going on? Clearly there is something going on because this, this team shouldn't be one in five. This team is too good. The players on the team are too good at basketball yeah. to be one in five. So, whether style play, whatever the case may be, there's something wrong. It's not just we're, it's just not we're just not getting the breaks. It's just not on one in five. That's not what happened. The, the one thing I that's my I, that's well, the one thing I don't get is how we were able to play a game where up until about 15 minutes into the game, we were able to make good decisions out of timeouts, good decisions switching lineups, good decisions on defense to adjust and prevent these huge runs from happening. And then after that, we just stumbled into the second half up by one. I think, and then, I think it's because our guys lose focus. I mean, I, that's but, really the only answer but I that, got. That's, Lack of discipline. It's this discipline on the players, but it's also discipline on the coach of being able to... That's where discipline comes from, baby. Yeah, because one creates well, next. It, it does. That's, that's, it stems from coaching, but it, with all due respect, keeping your head in the game is not always a coaching thing. No, yeah. No, keeping no, your head in the game is a player issue as well. you you got to know, and somebody who's particularly bad at it is Andre Corbella, you got to know the situation. you got to be in tune with the situation. You have to know. That's all very that's, – I, I don't disagree with that at what, all. What's going on? But valuing the ball comes from the coach. It, sure, and he has, but he I, has put no emphasis on that at all. Well, let's talk about right, it. but that's not the same as keeping your head in the game. Keeping your head in the game is not running down the Rafael Pinzon style and taking an unwarranted three for no reason. No, that's that's lack of care for the ball. Or maybe think, not the ball, no, but that's lack of care for the possession. The possession, the, the the possession is not valued, and I, I agree with Nick in terms of that. That is that's from from the top. See, I I, don't, I think that's more get your head in the game. With all that due respect. There, no, in in no way can, with, except for, I guess in practice, 
leading up to it, there's no way in that moment Mike Anderson could prevent Rafael Pinzon from taking that shot. Of course he can't. No, but he can't. Except but, that if the, but then if, he took, but, but wait, wait, but, but then he took him immediately out. Correct. That's the, by well, the way. That's, that's correct, the correct yeah. coaching move. Yeah, that's how you do that. So you should do that across the board to all your players, yeah. including hundred percent. Including, I started off with Curbelo is a main problem in this. I hundred percent agree with you. Right, but I think the problem you should is do more, that across the board. I think it's more uh, a coaching problem than an internal player problem. I think it's a fifty fifty. I do agree with you that I think a problem is that Mike Anderson doesn't treat everybody the same way in that respect. He won't pull Andre Curbelo for passing the ball clearly into the. The first row. He threw it out of balance to <laughs> right. nobody. Exactly. At one point. But he takes Rafael Pinzon out when he takes a shot. Now, I think the removing Rafael Pinzon is correct, and the not taking Andre Cabello out is wrong. Uh, but I do think in both of those situations, part of it is you got to get, you, as a player, you got to have your head on straight. You got to know, oh, absolutely. I can't run down here and take this unwarranted three just because I'm open. Right. And There's if a the reason co- you're and open. If the coach doesn't care when you do for half of, or the, the entire non conference. Then when it comes conference time, you're going to continue the habits that you form. But I also think the style of play is on the offensive side of the ball is we go up the court. If there's a shot, you take it. That's that is the the edict for the, across the board. When we can yeah, play, that's, that's we take a shot. Basketball but but, an, but it's, Anderson, it's not, Anderson's though. been it's bringing not. up the point. Look, look at offense. Look at Villanova. Pass the ball a certain amount of times now. Villanova's an anomaly, though. You, you can't use Villanova, Villanova as an example. An Villanova's an uh, there. They are first of all, you can use them as an example. Just because they're an anomaly doesn't make it doesn't mean Fair. you can't use them as an example. But there, there are the example of you don't take open threes when you have them, and then you win. So yeah, they are the example because they've been winning for a long time using that exact. Sure, but they're thing. not. They're not. A, they're not an example of the wider game today. I, I don't. I'm not saying they are, but I'm saying if you want to be successful, you do those kind of things. Well, well we also had Ed Cooley completely out coach Anderson in 100%. the last two minutes of that game. The, probably the entire game. Well, I'm, let's just talk about the last two minutes of. We kept getting closer, kept getting closer. We get to three, and what does uh, Cooley do? He knows we're already in the bonus. Don't let him shoot the three. Foul him. Foul Corbello. If that was the opposite hand, we all know what would have happened. There would have been no foul. And we hope that our three-point defense no, succeeds. I don't. I don't. No, I, don't, I, don't I, I don't. I don't. That's, I don't that's a common move. A common move is right there. You're up by three. You foul. That's. Just, I, I've seen us do that's, it several that's times not the, last year. That's not an, an example of Ed Cooley out coaching Mike Anderson. That's that's just a common. I think that's a very common move. There are examples but, but of Ed Cooley Anderson, out coaching Mike Anderson, yeah, but, but I don't think that's that, one of them. But we've seen that happen in several St. John's games, especially last year, where it was close at the end, and we could have position ourselves coaching style wise in a better circumstance that could have led to doing something smart Listen, like that. I, with all due respect mike anderson is not a terrible coach okay ever you know we, we've we've beat him up a little bit here i think too much is he coaching well right now perhaps not uh, but let's not act like mike anderson has never coached a game before to a victory or has never coached a tight game to a point where he put his guys in a position to win. Because that's, with all due respect, that's patently false. Well, here's the question. Did Curbelo make that decision out of his ass? Sure. To shoot that free throw Andre, like that? Andre Curbelo makes every decision. No, it, that, that, that's not the word. I don't it, think under, the, under two the, minutes, the free throw is the not the worst. The free throw was the right thing. Dude. He, just, he, the, he yeah. missed the front rim. You could see it on he his tried face. To miss he the he front rim. missed the front that's, rim. That, but the answer is Andre Curbelo in under two minutes, he always makes decisions blindly without really control. Uh, I, I just, he, he's not a guy who you can trust at the end of the game. And... I, you know, I, he he can make plays at the end of the game. He I, did. I, I he did also made a layup at the end of the game. Andre Cabello can make incredible Don't, plays. Whoa, whoa! We can't talk about Andre Cabello making f- layups because my man smoked three <laughs> yeah, wide open left handed layups that I, I, I think I, I think I jumped out of my skin. But I do want to give two positive credits for this game because we, to Vincent's point, we have been bashing. A lot of things in this game, but I do. In wanna, a game, we actually, I think we actually played we pretty played, well. We played, uh, to be completely honest. I mean, Providence is undefeated in the Big East. They're the top of the Big East, right and they're now. at home, and they're at home, and, and we lost by three. We lost by three points. Look, so, it's not so a there are, there are we, played, we played, we played pretty well. One, overall. I think we handled the the game very well without Soriano in it in the first half and part of the second half because he was in foul trouble. Uh, you know, he he got a cheap. They, he clapped directly in Ed Cooley's face, which. Uh, you, you just can't do. They're they're watching that. You just Cel- celebrating being uh, the head coach 
yeah, coach what, last year. Exactly. Whatever. Whatever. Big uh, support of Big East coaches. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. Yeah. That's sure. That's what it was. But but we did a good job at handling him not being in, which I thought was really good. And I do want to credit Mike Anderson for calling timeouts for maybe the first time or maybe the second time that I've seen at St. John's where he actually made good timeout calls. He made one right at the start of the second half before the the under 16 timeout, which they started catching fire again, and he he called timeout, which I thought was a good one. He called one in the first half too, which really cut the momentum. And uh, as a guy who for a very for most of his career at St. John's hasn't called any good timeouts, has, he did an exceptionally good job, I would say, against Yeah, what, what was it, like AO run in the first half right right around the uh, under 16, I think it was, where he uh, he called that timeout, stopped it, and then we went on a run immediately after. Yeah, something like that. I think you also have to give a big shout-out to Posh Alexander, who had another really good game, uh, really good, especially a really good first half. But he, the team, when he was on the court, the team flew, flowed well. Made two two more three pointers again, which is another huge positive going forward for the rest of the season as we him. talked about. Certainly, uh, he looked good making the three. They were early on. It was great, um, and I think pa- Posh ha- has been you know coming back to being Posh. Speaking of players playing well, let's talk about the spotlight player of the week after those two tough losses. Craig, I think I know who you might vote for, but I'm, who do you got? I got Posh. I'm I with got... you. I also vote for Posh Alexander. I think he, you know, listen, he he didn't start against Marquette, right? And for whatever reason he didn't start, maybe he took it to heart because he came off the bench and he played well. 11 points, 5 assists, 3 steals, and then came right back in Providence, got the start, 14 points for him, 5 rebounds. He's, in my opinion, I think he's the best player on the team, and there's no reason he shouldn't be playing consistently as the person that the offense runs through. I think Posh. I think Posh definitely deserves it this week. He, The three-pointers, I think, are a huge factor for us and him going forward. Uh, it was good to see him get back to 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 play in the way we all know that he can. Uh, Absolutely, he, I you know I love Posh. He's he's a he's a bulldog. So I, I that's who I I think, and that's not to slate Joel Soriano, who I actually think had also a spectacular week. He was a monster against monster against. Marquette, that one dunk he had was just absolutely absurd. Craig, you only get one vote. I know. I know you, I know you like I'm, to do things in twos. I'm but you, you only I'm get one for, vote. No, no, I'm voting for Posh, but I have to give a shout out to Joel right now. He, he did great for no reason whatsoever. All right, Nick, who are you voting for? So I'm actually going to go with Wusu on this one. Uh, Wusu, he had 21 against Marquette. He was three out of five from the three point line against Providence. He had five of our eight steals in the game. Uh, he only had six points, but he also had four rebounds. Um, I think, I mean, especially in the Marquette game, he was obviously the difference maker in the Marquette no, game. That I, th- kept I us think that's in. a valid vote. And, and I think against Providence, he was subtly a very impactful player. So I, I, I think would, that I makes a him. lot of sense. I think he did have a great week. Yeah, Tim, he, who are you voting for? I am going to go with Soriano for this uh, spotlight player of the week. But Nick made a very good point about Wusu, and especially when you watch him coming out of timeouts or even in timeouts. He's been very vocal now. He's really stepping up in a leadership role, which, hey, we need we need people to step up. We need somebody to step up. But with Joel, monster game, like we've said before, Marquette. Yes. Uh, Province, A of nine, another double-double, and held Hopkins to 10 points. True. Tim, you know you're allowed to vote for other people, though, right? I just want to make sure this is... <laughs> I, I, you, I, you can, I have voted once against him, You can actually... Lost. You're allowed to <laughs> vote for any people reg- who are not named Joel Soriano. And he regrets that vote. <laughs> yeah. right? Okay, just checking. I, I, was, I guess uh, I was wrong in the last one. Well, so well you voted for him this time, and you lost again. Two votes for Posh Alexander puts him in the spotlight player of the week. I think this is the first time we've actually had three different players. It is. I, I think Usually it's right. only two. Usually yeah. it's only two. Well, glad Posh could get the victory in the spotlight player. He deserved it even if he didn't get the victories on the court. Well, fortunately, it's another week of St. John's basketball. We start on Tuesday at Carnesecca Arena against Butler, 6.30 p.m. That's on Fox Sports 1 if you're going to watch. Uh, 10 and 7 are the Butler Bulldogs, only 2 and 4 in conference as they come into this game. They're coming off a loss to Seton Hall, uh, so we, we kind of know how that feels. Uh, they're, they're kind of an interesting team setup-wise because their top two scorers uh, are a guard and a center. So I think it's going to be an interesting matchup for us to see. They've got Taylor. He leads the team 3.6 points per game. He's the guard. And then Bates, he's second on the team, 13.2 points. So just, you know, virtually the same. Uh, and he's a center. So I think it'll be an interesting matchup down low with Bates and Soriano. And then out front, you're going to have the 
Posh or Curbelo or Wusu uh, versus Taylor matchup going on, uh, which I think will be interesting to see and, and is what's going to, you know, I, I think make this battle, unfortunately, a close game. This is a game coming in on paper. We said we should be Butler no problem. Looking at ourselves now, we find ourselves kind of similar to these guys. We've, you know, had a decent out of conference and then struggled once we've reached the Big East. Um, but we'll see how it turns out. 315th in the nation in rebounding are the Butler Bulldogs. We've taken a stumble in that category. We're 15th, but that's a number again. If we drive that number up, you know, most likely we're going to put ourselves in a good place. A number that's really not good for us is that they only average 11 and a half turnovers per game. That's a number that we have not done particularly well at. And if they're a disciplined team who is going to hold on to the ball, we could find ourselves in some trouble against these guys because creating turnovers, although it seemingly may not even be part of our strategy anymore uh, to success because we've done it pretty well in the past two games and lost, uh, it certainly is a key, I think, that can turn a game for us. So we'll need to do that against a team that's pretty good at holding on to the ball. I think not only turning over to your point, but I think we also need to hold on to it ourselves. That's yeah. part of the problem. The differential is a bigger problem. Causing turnover is great, but we need to limit our own so there's a bigger differential. The bigger differential will help us win the game. It's going to be interesting to see how much they can really score. They beat Georgetown, they beat DePaul, and they scored in the 70s and 80s. But that was against the two worst teams in the whole Big East. Everyone else, they're only dropping 50 to 60 points. If we go into a scoring race against them, I think we should win. I'm, I am worried after the past couple games that I just don't know this team well enough anymore and they're just going to make me disappointed. But... We have to watch out. They can shoot the three. They have seven three-point shooters that shoot over 33% from the three-point line. This so that, a, that's my big worry. This is a game we have to win. Butler at home is we, not a game we, we can we've win. Now turn, we've certainly turned this into a must-win as well. Had we beaten Marquette, had we beaten Providence, both of them, right, perhaps, and won the Seton Hall game we were supposed to win, uh, you know, you lose one at Butler at home. Yes, it's a bad loss. It's not what you want, but it's not the end of the world. Now we're in a five-game losing streak, and – the schedule's not getting any easier. We don't win this game, and watch out, because this could be a turn for the worst for the rest of the season. Absolutely. This is uh, this is our first game in the last five games where we are supposed to be definitively. Actually, I take that back. We were supposed to be definitively the best team against C and Hall. We were not. And we were evidently not. Certainly. Um, but Butler is not. As talented, I would say, as as Seton Hall is. I mean, they're they're both two programs who have brand new coaches. Thad Mata's back at at Butler now, so it's not, you know, they don't they they're still going through some stuff themselves. Um, this is a, a sadly a great test for us to see where we actually stand in the Big East because uh, t- to Tim's point, they're not the bottom two teams because they beat the bottom two teams. Um, they're, I, I would like to say they're the third worst team in the Big East, but we don't really know that until, sadly, we play them. Unfortunately, you're right, Nick. It, it's, it's a position we don't want to be in, but it's a position we're in. Uh, and, you know, we'll have to see how that shakes out. That's on Tuesday. The other game this week is a doozy. It's uh, at UConn. Uh, you know, they're, they've been in the top five for the past, I don't know, what, month now? Probably two months? Yeah. Um, so it's a bit rough. That game's Sunday at noon on Fox Sports 1. 15-2 and two, uh, at the time we're recording. 4-2 and two in conference. They'll play one game. They'll play at Marquette before coming uh, back home to play against us on Sunday. Uh, they have had a bit of a downturn, though. Uh, they lost two of the last three games to at Xavier and at Providence. Uh, which are some you know teams that they thought they were much better than. I, by the way, all of you, uh, when I talked about Xavier being the best team in the Big East, that would make Vincent tell him, Craig, what is Vincent? Correct, because they beat the UConn Huskies that you guys thought were the best team in the Big East. All right, just wanted to make a little smile for Craig. Fair. Um, so anyway, the two guys on. Oddly enough, here's this is, I thought this was interesting. There are more guys on Butler who average double digits than there are guys on UConn who average double digits. Wow. Isn't that fascinating? That's very, that is, that's very surprising. <laughs> Isn't that right? I thought it was shocking. Uh, the only two guys who do are uh, Adama Sanogo, of course, 17.9, so 18 points a game, and then seven rebounds per game. Um, Soriano is certainly going to have his hands full down low. My guess is we're going to see a bunch of Niwi, to be honest. I think we're going to see him in the game a lot because they're going to try to – put Soriano and Naiwi in a way to 
to stop Sonogo and try to use that as the stop at Sonogo method of if you prevent him, you can get the win against UConn. Jordan Hawkins, their other double-digit scorer, he averages 15 points a game about. But, you know, they really win games by good defense, uh, which is a problem for us. They hold opponents to 27% from three. They're ninth in the nation. Uh, we don't shoot well from three, just in case you haven't watched a basketball game before. Um but uh, you know, so that's not a good. That's not good for us. Not good. Anybody who can reduce the amount of threes we, the very low number of threes we already make, is putting us in a bad place. They also hold opponents to thirty nine percent from the field. Also not good. We also don't shoot well. So uh, those numbers are scary. Now, there is one thing I have to say, and listen, maybe it's a pipe dream, but I got to be honest with you. Here it comes. Here comes the Kool Aid, baby. Mix it up. If, if we can play our style of basketball. It is a direct contrast to the UConn style of basketball. If we can move them up fast and we can get them in a place where they're sloppy, they will not know what to do at all at the end of the game. And you will see, just like Syracuse, (laughs) that they are lost and we could find ourselves walking away with a W in Connecticut. I'm just saying it now. It's possible, okay? Now, a lot has to go right. Right, a we, lot. We have to we have to come in with the mindset of we're gonna play our style to a T. Uh, but if we were to do that, I think the matchup on paper is not in their favor in that category. So you're telling me there's a chance? I'm telling you there's a chance. <laughs> so I'm telling you every once in a while you may be on a five game losing streak, but you take the Kool Aid and it tastes good every day. The sweetest Kool Aid of the country is St. John's basketball Kool Aid. It certainly is the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. Well, <laughs> but every year, there we are, we, we, day one, ready well, to think go. About it. We have been improving at playing at stores or the XL Center, whatever they want to call it now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess. But you, I, you got the undunk and you got the store, the store. But hey, listen. I'm I'm hoping AJ Store. And puts on a show in stores. Show. Is that what you're gonna? Think, yeah. that's, that's that was too much. Many, that was too punny, Tim. That was too punny. How long have you been waiting? Never too punny. Tim, how many weeks? Tim has been. Tim had his calendar marked for this show where he could say, hundred percent." He could say, "I want to see AJ Store in stores." That was it. I thank you very much, Tim. He'll be here all week. I will say this: another another person to watch out for for this game is Andre Jackson. He leads the team in assists and steals. He will be the guy to be the complimentary. To Sonogo and Hawkins, so uh, we, I I would like to have as much optimism as as Vincent and, and Tim in this game, but I, I think you know if we get Sonogo well, in foul trouble and a lot of things come our way, we could uh, have a close well, game. Just to clarify, I don't think we're going to win. I just said this is how we could win. Uh, is we could do, you know, we we could play a style that puts anything. I think you're saying that Jackson's going to be the guy that kills us, that surprisingly kills us, just like there always is in every game. Is that what you're saying, Nick? Um, I'm not saying he, he's not going to be the guy that light us up for 20 points that we're not expecting, but he's going to be uh, a guy doing a lot of the dirty work that we're not ready for. The guy I think is going to cause a lot of headaches for us in this game is their 6'3 senior that transferred over from San Diego, left the idea of Steve Lavin coming over, <laughs> And came over to UConn to deal with Hurley instead. Calcatera. The guy who can shoot a three. Yeah, anyone who can shoot a three is not not great for us. Definitely uh, not. So, not when we leave them wide open. Now listen, the, the UConn game, all jokes aside, is going to be a tough one. Uh, Very uphill battle. We're just we're gonna we're hoping for a great game. You know, surprise win there is great, and not losing by twenty is also great, right? So I think that's where that game's at. And listen, if we be if if at the end of this week we're one and one. I think it's a successful week. If at the end of the week we're two and zero, I think you know we'll be high fiving uh, on the podcast next week. That's that's more than high that's the way I'm. That's the way I'm looking at it. On the, on the well, I mean, we still UConn. only have two wins in the Big East. If we, we beat UConn, three. if we beat UConn, don't three. Don't, don't you take away to Paul? Don't you take away to Paul? Win. I apologize. I forgot about the Paul. We December. got that. If we beat UConn, we are popping a bottle on this podcast. Right. I mean, it's a little unnecessary. It's just you. It's gonna happen. Oh, I mean, you get a ten dollars bottle of champagne. It's, it's not just, that. It's yeah, not man, that crazy. Let's not. Let's not act like UConn's that good. Let's not give them the credit. Of, I, I don't of, care. Of about, saying I don't, I don't care if they. If UConn went winless through the Big East, I would celebrate beating them every time. Yeah, for sure. But I just I. I think we give a little too much credit for popping bottles. All right, that's all I'm saying. Uh, well, I, 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 I celebrate the their losses. Mm-hmm. Top top four or five in the country. 
on yeah. the road, it'd be a big win. But, but Listen, we, it'd be a big win, but like, like, let's not take the UConn guys too much. I hate Connecticut, well, okay? Look, man, nobody but, from UConn listens to this podcast. The, these people are going to get... The, the UConn I, I think people we have like five already, listeners the people that from UConn, live in Connecticut. The UConn fans <laughs> If you fans live in Connecticut and you listen to our too podcast, high on themselves. I want you to know that you guys have we the drive worst... Three. No, 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 stop, stop, stop. <laughs> you guys have the worst bagels and pizza out of the tri-state area, which is New Jersey, New York, and Connecticut. Yeah, I mean, that's well, 100% yeah. correct. That's extremely fair. But I, the, the, the UConn Husky fans are all high and mighty. Yeah, we're back. We own the biggies. First of all, you shouldn't have been allowed back in, number one. And number two, we don't need to give them the satisfaction of, of playing into their nonsense. We, we do have the big storyline of this game. Who's the number one center in the Big East? Who's going to be, fair. I think who's gonna be I, the first it, team good, all Big East? It'll be it interesting. Is, is it going to be Sonogo? Everybody is walking in thinking Sonogo's, you know, but that's because they don't know Joel Soriano. Now, Tim right. obviously loves Joel Soriano. He doesn't vote for anybody else. But I do think you're right, Tim, that it's going to be a good matchup, and I, it's a real matchup that could help determine the game. Uh, I think we'll have to see how we do. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how we approach him and – and how we come into that game. Hopefully we're coming in off of a Butler win, and we're riding high. Anyway, that'll do it for this week. For Craig, Tim, and Nick, I'm Vincent. Go Johnnies. Keep chasing. <laughs>